text for the message this morning is Psalm 34. Psalm 34. We'll open our Bibles and have that in front of us. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you have Psalm 34 in front of you. This psalm is an acrostic psalm. That means that each new verse begins with the next letter of the alphabet. So verse 1 would begin the letter, first word would begin with an A in verse 2. First word would begin with a B. Of course, that's in Hebrew and it doesn't come across in the translation so clearly. But the last verse of this acrostic psalm, this alphabetic psalm, the last verse falls outside of the pattern, verse 22. That highlights the theme of the psalm, is what we read there, what we just sang together, the Lord redeems His servants from the condemnation that we deserve. Psalm 34 gives the ABCs of how to experience God's goodness in the face of fears, like you could see in verse 4, the face of troubles, like in verses 6 and 17, and in the face of afflictions, verse 19. The beautiful words assure us of our salvation in Jesus Christ. The psalm's general instruction in wisdom for the church arose in the context of David's near-death experience at the hands of the Philistines in Gath, even while Saul was out pursuing him as well. And although David had just outwitted King Achish by acting like a madman, you'll see in the first verses of thirty-four, Psalm 34, that David knew full well that it was the Lord who had delivered him. David didn't sit around the campfire boasting with his buddies about how smart he was and how cunning he was to outwit that king. But his soul, we read in the first verses of Psalm 34, made his boast in the Lord as he blessed the Lord at all times and kept the praise of the Lord continually in his mouth. And the church continues to praise the Lord at all times magnifying the name of the Lord. That means making the name of the Lord big in our lives while keeping our actions limited to humbly responding, being glad in the Lord, like we see in those first three verses. With Psalm 34, then the covenant people of God are are calling one another to taste and see the goodness of God. The Holy Spirit invites us to experience the fullness of the saving work of Jesus Christ, the righteous one who redeems our life from condemnation. We are called to trust that the Lord will deliver us, to seek Him in our afflictions, and to believe the gospel that I preached to you this this morning. The Lord redeems His children from condemnation. We'll see that we continually praise Him because He takes away our fears. He is with us in our tears and we can see that He is near. As we reflect in our lives, we reflect the congregational news and 
our prayers in our homes, it's very clear that hardships and afflictions are a regular, common part in our lives. We discover that we or a loved one has a serious disease like cancer or ADEM or depression. We may experience broken hearts or find that our spirits are so crushed, like we see in verse 18, so crushed that we feel very little joy in our lives. We may be afraid of those who are doing evil around us or frustrated with our failure to obtain the things that we want in this life. The Lord speaks to us in these hardships through David's psalm. And if you look at verses 4 to 7, you can see these words come to us like the words of an experienced friend. Almost his, his arm is around us to share his experiences with you. The Lord is saying, I know what you're going through. And when I went through something very similar, I learned something important. You see that in verses 4 to 7, what is learned? I sought the Lord, and He answered me. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. When you seek the Lord, He answers. The promise for any believer who turns to the Lord in hardships like David did in Gath is that they can count on the same attentiveness of the Lord. And so when we sing Psalm 34, we can sing like we read in verse 6, this poor man or that person with empty hands and no strength in herself cried out. I saw it. It happened. She cried out and the Lord heard. That's the kind of God that we worship. The gospel message in this way frees us from all our fears. We live in the context of the unconditional love of God our Father in Jesus Christ and the way that He values each one of us, the lives of each one of us, and the way that He, that he treats us as an innocent bride in Jesus Christ. It makes our faces shine with radiance like we see in verse 5. He is a God who sent His own Son to deliver us from the misery, from the condemnation that our sins deserve, that we confess we deserve. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. That's verse 7. The messenger, the representative of the Lord of hosts, takes up his residence around us. The hands of the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, they surround us. No matter what is taken away from us, In this life, we live in the eternal love of the triune God. We can sing like we do in verse 10. We lack no good thing. We'll sing it again in Psalm 84, stanza 6. Well, He is with us in our tears. Psalm 34 contains enormous promises. Promises of salvation and deliverance and redemption. And as we're reading through this psalm, we're struck by the universal, the absolute language that is used. The psalm says, all and always and never and not one. Those who fear the Lord can know that He is near, that He hears us, that He is willing and able to help us and deliver us. And if He is willing and able to deliver us, 
That means he's, he's telling us that in this life you will need to be delivered. There will be troubles and afflictions. And if you think about what happened in David's life shortly after he fled from that Philistine king and Saul came and, and slaughtered everybody in Nob. That's 1 Samuel 22, verses 17 to 19. You realize this life is full of afflictions and troubles. And whether it's from our own bad choices and their consequences or the wickedness of others, we should not be surprised by the tears that we must shed in this life. And Psalm 34 makes that very clear. Believing in God does not save you from afflictions. However, if you look at the end of the psalm, there is a difference between the way the righteous suffer afflictions and the way the wicked suffer from afflictions. For the wicked, we read, they, they are slain by their afflictions. But the Lord will not allow our, the afflictions to slay the righteous. It means he, has, he will not allow those afflictions to, to lead us to be judged guilty. This is not condemnation when we suffer trouble. The promise of the gospel also contained in Psalm 34 is that whoever turns to the Lord, whoever humbles himself and, and seeks Him and trusts in His Son, Jesus Christ, in the day of trouble, will be blessed by the Lord instead of cursed. God accomplished this through His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to bear that curse for us and in our place. The Lord gave clear testimony that His Son was the righteous one whom He had sent. When, when, and that, that pure sacrifice when, when the Lord ensured that even on the cross, our Lord Jesus' bones were not broken, as promised in Psalm 34, verse 20. Christ Jesus revealed that He is the righteous one who filled, fulfilled Psalm 34. His life, His death satisfied the justice of God. And so as we, as we saw, as we were walking into church this, this, this morning, Romans 8, verses 33 and 34, and then we sang it in hymn 35, it's that triumphant declaration, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's a message of comfort for the church. And we can see that He is near. There are times when words are not enough. Just hearing about the experiences of David in some faraway country or, or listening to the experiences of another person, they, they may tell us a little bit of God. It's, it's like the experienced Christian saying, when I sought the Lord, He answered me. And, and you say, that's, that's wonderful. The Lord is a God who answers. But until we try it for ourselves, until we truly experience what is being described, it's only then that we fully understand that gospel in our hearts. Do you feel alone? Do you have doubts? You find that the temptations of this life are overwhelming? Or you're grieving for your, your sins in guilt? Do you desire life? Do you want to enjoy your days? The Holy Spirit says, verse 11, Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you. The fear of the Lord. The Lord is near to those who, who seek Him. Those who are walking in His ways. And so, so Peter also 
calls the church to, to trust in the Lord by living a godly life. Watch your tongue. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. All these commandments are, are urging the believer to throw themselves in the grace of God, to trust Him. And so when you're confronted by temptations, the psalm says, turn away. Don't just think about turning away, but do it and go and pursue relationships of, of peace. Commit your way to the Lord. Jump in with, with two feet, because that's the only way you can experience the fullness of the grace of God, that He is good. If you do evil, says the psalm, you'll be cut off from the earth. But if you embrace the grace of God in Jesus Christ, you will taste and see that when you cry, when you cry out to Him, He answers. And although that call in the psalm to taste and to, to see, it's an invitation to, to all people to bow before the Lord as, as King and Savior, to, to stop relying on themselves and, and living in the world and, and to trust completely in the Lord. It also serves as a call to all God's people to constantly draw nearer to the Lord in prayer so that you can experience Christ's benefits in your lives more and more. The psalmist said, I could tell you about it, but you won't understand it until you try it yourself. You can think of different examples. I could tell you about traveling to another country, but it's not the same. You don't experience it until you go yourself. I can tell you how good this, this meal is, but, but you don't know until you eat it for yourself. I can tell you how exciting it is to ride a horse, but you won't know until you're actually mounted on that beast. Well, it's the same with the Christian faith. It's the same with the, the urgency of the call of Psalm 34. Seek Him in prayer and trust in Him and you will see that He does nourish you. Submit your heart to His Word and you will see that your life will be a continual feast as you take part in the banquet He has prepared for you. And this morning again, we can see how the Lord has spread out a table before us with bread and wine that serve as signs and symbols of all that Christ has already obtained for us. And as we look at the, the symbols of His sacrifice, we hear the words of Psalm 34 calling us, echoing in our minds, Come, children, receive the righteousness of Christ as your own. Not one of his bones were broken because he was righteous. Eat and drink with the mouth of faith. Taste it and you will see how the Spirit of God elevates your heart to the glory of heaven itself, to the presence of God, so that you already experience what it's like to stand before your Creator, unashamed of all the sins that you committed and confident that there is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. The gospel message. Walk with your heavenly Father in trust. Talk with pure lips. Seek 
peace and pursue it as that gift that Christ has already obtained for you. Do these things. Don't just talk about them. May his praise, his praise, be continually on your lips. And may you sing the ABCs of experience God's goodness with the words of Psalm 34 in tribulation and in comfort all the days of your life. Amen. The form for the celebration of Lord's Supper continues. Page 605, with the assurance which we say in order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace. The Lord Jesus Christ during his last Passover instituted the Holy Supper. He gave the bread and the cup to his disciples in remembrance of him. He taught us to understand that as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are reminded and assured of his hearty love and faithfulness towards us. It is a sure pledge that he has given his body and shed his blood for us. Otherwise, we would have suffered eternal death. He nourishes and refreshes our hungry and thirsty souls with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life. As certainly as this bread is broken before our eyes and this cup is given to us and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice, once offered on the cross. It is the only ground for our salvation. And thereby he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of life eternal. For by his death he has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin and obtain for us the life-giving Spirit. By this Spirit who dwells in Christ as the head, and in us as his members, we have true communion with him, and share in all his riches, life eternal, righteousness, and glory. By the same Spirit, we are also united in true brotherly love as members of one body. For the Apostle Paul says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. It's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 17. As one bread is baked out of many grains and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all incorporated in Christ by faith are together one body. And for the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now love one another and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. And finally, Christ has commanded us to celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. We receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised. And we look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. May the Almighty, Heavenly God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ help us in this through His Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive all this, let us now humble ourselves before God in prayer and call upon Him in true faith. Merciful God and Father, we thank You that in this supper we cherish the blessed memory of the bitter death of Your dear Son, Jesus Christ. 
Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we may entrust ourselves more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with his true body and blood, yes, with him who is the only heavenly bread, that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in him. Let us so truly be partakers of the new and everlasting testament, the covenant of grace, that we do not doubt that you will forever be our gracious Father, never more imputing to us our sins, but providing us with all things for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us your grace that we may take up, take, take up our cross joyfully, deny ourselves and confess our Savior. Let us in all tribulation await our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to change our mortal body to be like his glorious body and take us to himself forever. Hear us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us now profess our Catholic undoubted Christian faith with the singing of hymn one. It's the Apostles' Creed put to music in hymn one. And we'll sing that together standing if you're able. <clears throat> 